What's up, Red Letter Disciples? It's Zach Zender back, co-host of the Red Letter Disciple podcast with my friend Chris Johnson, who's going to be joining us in just a moment. Our mission of this podcast is to challenge you to be a greater disciple of Jesus wherever you are. We believe that when all of us step up and be the great disciples of Jesus that he's called us to be, that we really can change the world. Why? Because we're going to show the world the real Jesus, and that's who changes the world. So today's episode is really powerful. I'm talking to Pastor Jim Kyles of Anchor Bend Church in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. Jim's heart, man, it it broke for the next generation. We'll talk about why. But, but rather than just having a broken heart for Gen Z, he did what he knew best. He started praying and he started a movement called Pray for Gen Z. And so we're going to talk to Jim about, about what God has been doing in this prayer movement and what he's realized about himself and how us and like the older generations can truly help Gen Z the most. It's our third episode in a row. We got one more next week, all about how to disciple Gen Z. And I believe you're going to love it. We can't do this without today's sponsor. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored by Red Letter Living. We have a mission at Red Letter to challenge all people to be greater disciples of Jesus. And one of our free products that we want to tell you about that's hyper-connected with today's episode and our conversation with Pastor Jim today, it's called the 21 Days of Prayer Challenge. At any point, you as an individual can take this challenge and grow in your prayer life. The 21 Days of Prayer Challenge is a free ebook that actually has daily videos as well that will help you grow in prayer. It'll teach you why we pray, what to pray for, and how best to pray. Super practical, easy to understand, and most importantly, gonna help you connect with God through this amazing opportunity to pray. You can check all of that out at prayingchallenge.com. That's prayingchallenge.com. So before we get into today's episode, one more ask on this episode. If you like Red Letter Disciple, if you like our podcast, would you do us a huge favor and subscribe or follow on whatever platform you listen or watch? And also, we would be so appreciative of a five-star review if you believe it's good, if you believe it's helpful, if you believe it's practical, if it's challenged you at all to be a greater disciple of Jesus, that would mean the world today for us. So let's do this. We're going to have a great conversation today. I'm pretty excited to welcome my friend Jim Kyles to the Red Letter Disciple. Jim and his wife, Phyllis, are the founding pastors at Anchor Bend Church in Richmond, Texas, right outside of Houston. Uh, Before in ministry, Jim spent the bulk of his 20s as an entrepreneur, working in real estate, restaurants. And you get that when you see Jim. He's just got this unique mind. And what where I really ran into Jim was actually a couple of months ago, and, and we'll talk a lot about it on the podcast, I'm sure. Uh, he, he's really got a heart for Gen Z. And and y'all know that if you're listening to this disciple, so do we at Red Letter Disciple. And so we linked up in this movement called Pray for Gen Z. We'll tell you a little bit about it in the podcast. But Jim, Kyles, welcome to the Red Letter Disciple how are we hey, doing today? What's up, guys? Man, hey. thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Man, got Zach and Chris together. That's right. Yeah. You know, you got a unique name, Jim. What's yeah. going on there? You got the J I M and then the N. Like they just the threw N. it. That's yeah, like, it- I have a basic name, Chris, and it's C H R I S. But I felt like maybe your parents are like, maybe Jim's too basic. We're just slapping an N on the back of it or something. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, it could have been that. But you know, your your basic name can always add some flair. C H R I S S. Maybe I'll add See, that. Just, just add that. Put an N. No, it's funny. <laughs> you say Jim. 
you say it right. People say, is it Jimin? Is it Jimin. Right? No, it's just yeah. Jim. I, just I changed Jim. it silent. when I was 15, 16. It's did funny. Did you change it? I did. I really oh. did. I was hanging out with some friends. And uh, what's really, really funny is that we said, hey, let's look at just kind of messing our names up. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write these books. I got these books in me. I always felt like I had five books. We'll see uh, if I'll get them all out. But I'm like, I got five books. What if I what if I change my name and added an end that's silent so it doesn't mess with the way you say it, but the way you spell it. And then all I got to do is put Jim with an N on the front of the book. Don't even have to put my last name because there's nobody else named Jim with an N. <laughs> that that's is, the God's honest truth. That was, I was 15, 16 years old when I did that. Because it's right there. You yeah, see that's right. right. Now it's on the book. There you go. I but got one of them. Googled, if you would have Googled Jim Kyles without Jim, the end, without the end, without the end, you'd be lost. Oh, a million of them yeah. out there. I love the visionary. Wow, the visionary, is, though, like before anybody knew yeah. SEO stuff, like this. Yeah. Is, that's right. This is Look good. And, and they, you paved the way. Paved the way before your first book. Even you're wow. like, I'm gonna differentiate <laughs> yeah. myself. That's I, great. I do want to say for your name, Chris. Don't ever think about adding no, a I T. Won't. I know. At I'm the not end of oh, there you go, Chris. I can do that. We um, are to represent no, Christ, right? Not. But yeah, not be exactly. yeah anyway. Not we don't want to get books, that. Uh, <laughs> not write books as Christ. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Jim, man, our, our friendship has really grown the last couple of, of months. And, yeah. and so you and your church started a movement, and you're even repping the shirt today. Yeah. Pray for Woo. Gen Z. Pray for Gen Z.com. People can check that out. Pray for Gen Z.com. Uh, and I know I've been a, gotten involved in this, and, and it's a movement that's gripped my heart too. So tell me about what is Pray for Gen Z and what in the world? Why did you? you start this movement? <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't start as a movement, which is so interesting. I guess nothing starts as a movement. Uh, <laughs> it started as the broken heart of a father of four yeah. Gen Zers. Um, you know, we, my wife and I have four kids and they're all teenagers. So you guys pray for your boy. When you think about it, it is two boys, two girls, 17, all the way to 11. And really what happened this, this year, I was, I was actually out of town. I'm a pastor. You know, my kids have been raised in church. We, we work hard to serve the Lord together. And then just one night I got a phone call. One of my Gen Zers was in crisis and I was out of town and my wife and I, we dropped everything, came back and your world just shuts down. It's like, okay, now I know that's yeah. right. I'm, they're in a crisis. Life stops. I left the, the conference. I was supposed to do some things on the weekend. We totally canceled everything on our schedule and um, just began to evaluate where are some of the chinks in the armor? What are some things that have allowed us to be in the place where we're at? And the thing that I've learned is we don't Prayer is not a last resort. It's a first response. My pastor yeah. says that all the time. Pastor Chris is, you know, really the one championed such a mindset of it's not, well, I don't know what else to do. Now I guess I'll pray. Mm. It's like, no, we pray first. And yeah. um, so we had said at the beginning of the year, one of the things we we're going to focus on, we we're going to fight for families, that we're in a season that it, it is like uh, an all-out war against teenagers and marriages and just the family bond. And so as a church, we're going to fight for families. Uh, my son's in crisis. We're rearranging everything. Well, 
we're going into the summer and you know we started an initiative it was called 70 days of prayer for gen z and that's really how it all started because what i looked at was this is not going to be a summer of slumber but it's going to be a summer of warfare and how do you fight you pray and so i had just decided if i can just get two people every day throughout the entire summer to meet me at the church and pray for Gen Z, I'll do it. I'll commit every day the entire summer and we'll fight until the Lord gives us a plan and a strategy and we're not going to come off of it. And lo and behold, I mean, you know, you've been on the calls, you've been a part of what we've been doing, but today we've had over 2,811 uh, people sign up uh, to pray for Gen Z. We're on day 86 of 70 wow. days of prayer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? And then we actually got the report today. There's 23 different countries where people are oh. praying from. And so it's been an amazing thing to see wow. how it just started out of God. We're desperate for you. We, you know, we recognize there's a problem and we don't know what the solution is, but we know if we'll pray. And then here was the question that was posed. This is where we began because my staff, I said, I'm not trying to give you something else to do. I'm just telling you, I'm desperate. Will you go on this journey? They're like, yes, I'm like, well, do we meet on site? Do we do it online? They're like, well, the easiest is a Zoom. They came up with the whole strategy. We do it from 12 to 1230 uh, every day on a Zoom call. Um, and so for us, it was this mentality of, I'm going to pray. And the the whole staff and the team, they I wouldn't try to give them something else to do. It was just, yeah. hey, let's do it. Let's Let's lock in, let's pray for a generation, and let's come up with a strategy. And then the pray for Gen Z really, it really was birthed and it's resonate. Oh, here's what I say. The impact has been absolutely phenomenal generationally because it resonates with parents who are like me, didn't know what what do you do? We we pray and then we got into the heartbeat of God and it's been it's been fascinating. It's been a journey. You've been on the journey, it's been great. Um yeah. and yeah. <laughs> 70 days that 70 days 70 yeah i know it's still some weird texas math you got down there (laughs) it is really funny well and let me tell you how that even happened so here's the funny thing about that is that on day 70 we're celebrating oh it's 10 weeks you know so it's oh that's what i was going through the summer 70 days somebody say why 70 days it was the summer it was from may 29th until we started 21 days of prayer well that's 70 days 10 weeks there's no magic to it it was just we're going to go 10 weeks and do it and what was fascinating is at the end of the 70 days what i found was there's a remnant of people that didn't want to stop <laughs> and so when you got people that say i want to meet every day and pray and the numbers dropped by like 10% but everybody they continued to grow it's like that's one thing i never want to stop is prayer Right. 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 You know, it's like you don't really have to pray about if we should pray. If you've got yeah. people joining to yeah. pray, and that's where the movement has really come into. It's like they nobody they just didn't want to stop. Yeah. And we have seen some amazing results and some things happen. You've been a part of it and it's been it's been fun. Yeah. It, has there ever been a uh, like a that you know of uh, a movement specifically praying for one generation <laughs> that you know of? That, that's that fascinating. It is fascinating. Well, that's the question that was posed. We were actually in a in a just a prep meeting, and the question was posed: This has there ever been a time in history where the local church, the global local church, prayed for a single generation? And I don't know that that's ever happened. What happens is we pray for revival, uh, we pray for 
you know, the, the, the world when COVID struck. So there's things that we do that are maybe topical that are important, but has there ever been a focus for the local church to pray for a single generation? And I don't know that the answer is yes. I don't think there ever has been. And so that's really the vision. What if we could mobilize the local church to pray for Gen Z, that God would save them, that God would disciple them, and they would be activated to fulfill the Great Commission? Simple, clear, consistent. And that is really the whole premise of this movement is just mobilizing the local church to pray for a generation. So you started out with the game plan seven... um, do 70 days, right? 70 days. And and you're past that point now. And you said you've had some remarkable results. Can you talk about some of the things that you've seen happen during this time? Well, the, the thing that's fascinating to me, and, and I mentioned it earlier, it's the generational fire. So typically as a pastor, you guys are pastors. So what will happen is during the summer, what we see is during the summer, the youth come back, they're fired up, but the adults are still on vacation. It's summer yeah. slump. Well, then the students go back to school and they are worn down a little bit. You start 21 days of prayer and the parents are fired up, you know, and so it's almost this misfire of the fire of the excitement. And what I have seen in this has been a generational fire that has been ignited throughout the entire church. It's been the most fascinating thing in our church, pastoring a church, leading a church and seeing God transform people from elderly all the way down to children. And I mean, it's so here's here's one of the, the examples on the call. There's there's this family and there is there are three generations on the call. There's the the grandparents there's the parents, and then there's the, the parents to the kids. So it's three generations. The grandparents, it's fascinating because he's on the call. Because And so we asked him the why. Why are you on this call, Dwight? Why are you on this call every single day? And he said, well, you know what? I got 10 grandkids. Four of them don't know Jesus, and I want them to know that their grandfather stopped his day every day and prayed for the salvation wow. of his four lost grandbabies. And wow. he said, you know what? I'm not stopping. And even when they're saved, I'm not stopping. I am going to continue. So that's one. His name is Dwight. His wife, Robin, is a professor at the University of Houston. She is a chair at the English department. So she'd been teaching for 30 years. She said, this was my last year of teaching. I'm burned out. I'm on the call because I do not know what to do with Gen Z, this new generation that's come up. I'm so frustrated. I'm angry. I'm burned out and I want to quit. She started by the end of the 70 days. She said, I have, it's as if I'm starting to teach and it's year one. Mm. My heart has been so broken for this generation. So that's the couple. That's the grandparents. Then you've got the daughter and her and her husband are on the call and she's on the call because she's like my, my kids and her heart is broken. She's helping to lead it. The husband's on the call and he's like, look, I'm not getting off this call because not only am I praying for my kids who are Gen Zers, but I'm praying for their friends. Well, then the son is on the call. Roman's on the call. He prays on the call. And I said, Roman, why are you on the call? He said, because I know that God hears my prayers and I've got lost friends. And he said, I'm asking God to ignite a fire in my heart to change my school this year. And I'm praying that God would save my friends. That is what I'm talking about. The generational and every one of them being ignited. It's absolutely the most incredible thing I've, I've seen. And, you know, I've got one of the coaches at a high school football, uh, uh, 
in a school here. He, they're part of one of the best football programs in the area. He led one of his students to the Lord. He said, you know, this call has fired me up. I've been undercover in my faith, and I decided I'm not going to be undercover anymore. He led his student to the Lord. The parent calls the coach. He's like, I think I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> she said, I just want you to know that what you have done has radically changed. I think you saved my son's life. In fact, wow. he is begging me to go to church and he is at youth camp right now. So I just want you to know, thank you wow. from a mother who is overwhelmed and felt like she was losing her son. Thank you for being bold in your faith. You radically changed his life. I went and met with them this morning. Here's what's even more fascinating. Zach, I hadn't had a chance to tell you this, but they're doing a fifth quarter, which is after the football game. They go into the gymnasium. They're going to do worship and student testimonies. That happens October 20th. This is a coach that was just on the call, and wow. the call ignites him. So his principal and the administrators have authorized this. So now they're doing a fifth quarter with that student who gave his life to Jesus, rallying students to this fifth quarter. And it gets even better than that. I was there today and he's like, man, I just want you to know how much this has radically changed me and this school. And I said, well, tell me about the school. I heard about your student. He said, well, Jim, I've been here for three years. He said, the first two years, the school is like in the hallways, the ring, the bell rings. You're supposed to be in your classroom. He said, nobody goes to the classrooms. It's like animal house. Like it's like just crazy in the hall. You can't get anybody in their classrooms. It's very disruptive. There's fights every week. So this is his words. He said, this year we've been in school three weeks. He said, I want you to know there has been such a radical shift. The administrators and the teachers are saying, we have no idea what has happened. But we are a different school and we are doing the same thing we have done the last two years. And you know what he said? He said, I know exactly what it is. And he said, I didn't say anything yet. He said, but I'm going, I've got a meeting with the administrators to tell them it's because we've been praying by name for wow. this school. And the fourth prayer point of what we're praying for is for the education system. And he said, the spirit of God has brought a peace and a calmness to our hallways. And they don't know, but we are winning the spiritual battle that is being manifested in the natural. And they have no idea why everything has changed. He said, they're baffled because it's what they've been doing, but we're the secret weapon. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. And in the calls, yeah, I, I know that there's been, I love the consistency of them. They're, we're praying for five things on those calls, salvation, discipleship, that Gen Z would be activated. The fourth, like you just said, is the education system. And the fifth is more in the home of returning the hearts of their fathers. That's a fatherless na you know, nation mm -hmm. that we've turned it into. And so yeah. returning the hearts of the fathers, their children and vice versa. And so it's been so refreshing to me to be a part of that. I think there's a lot, we have a lot of pastors and leaders that listen as well. And I think so many of them want like a strong and vibrant prayer ministry. And it sometimes just feels like they get their, they get stuck. And yeah. uh, you wrote a book, by the way, Unstuck and Unstoppable. <laughs> and, and part of it with the prayer thing though, is like, we just don't have to overcome. Let's just pray. <laughs> and so I've been in, encouraged and inspired and motivated by your example because uh, you've been there every day, uh, okay. going on three months now, and you're not just praying, you're you're living this, you're in meetings and talking, and you've got your staff fired up about this, and they're in. And so, yeah, what, what have you learned in the process, like about God, <laughs> that you maybe would have missed had you not jumped into this these the last three months? What's God been teaching about himself? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I, well, I think what I've learned about me is how selfish I am. Uh, you know, I think for the first time in my life, um, I'm praying about something that really has nothing to do with me. Because here's what's fascinating. Within three weeks, my son's life turned around supernaturally. And then my kids, I mean, it's so after the third week, now it's like I'm praying for his friends. I'm praying for, and I think we pray for a lot of things. But brokenness yeah. comes from showing up mm. and being selfless mm-hmm. and consistent and doing it even when you don't feel like it. And, yep. you know, even when you lead, I'm on the call. Why? Because I'm a dad and I'm on this call and I'm going to. And so I think the faithfulness of God. I also think this, Zach, I think the simplicity of God. We overcomplicate it. You want to know what spiritual warfare is? Prayer. Some days we feel it. You've been on the call. Some days it's like, man, we are f- the presence of God. And then some days you're like, uh, I don't know. Did we show up? Because it didn't feel like somebody. It's like, it's just, and I think it's just fighting through the vacillating emotions and the impact. And it's just this resolve of, I'm going to pray. I just, I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead people to prayer. And you rearrange your life. And I think just the, there has been such a re- revelation of, I wonder if Gen Z, is lost because we were focused on other things besides the heart of God, you know, building our kingdom, building our platforms, reaching, you know, even, even lost people. Yes. But I just, for me, there has been just such an awareness of we've lost a generation. And though we build great church, I'm going to talk to me as though you build a great church, you're trying to keep things moving forward, but the real focus is we've got to do it all generationally together, you know, keeping all generations. So anyway, there's just been a, I think for me, it's just the the reality of how selfish I've been, even as a dad, as a pastor. And I just choose to break that chain. I choose to break, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do something that has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with God's heart. And you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's moments, but it's, I've never done it that consistent. Yeah. And just, I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. Yeah. And to see the change in my family, to see the change in this community, uh, I, I really believe it's just the beginning. And I, and I want to lead from that place. I want to lead from a place of, here's the other deal. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know. I just know we're going to pray. And then God just continue to reveal a plan, continue yeah. to reveal what your next step is, and just let us listen and obey. That's so, good. I don't know if that helps you, but... Oh, it yeah. helps, yeah, helps a ton. Uh, faithfulness of God, simplicity, but also... As we are learning things about God, we're learning things about ourselves that are revealed. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's where my heart was drawn to yours is God was doing something inside of me in the calendar year 2022. Um, obviously having two Gen Z boys of my own as well uh, is a huge piece of it. But then there were a few other pieces that just happened in 2022 getting to lead our denominations youth gathering and just seeing things from a different perspective uh with you know 20,000 students in Houston uh was a life-changing moment for me and and I think and then I got to preach uh in October on stewarding the next generation and that's kind of where everything of 2022 came out <laughs> of me uh of just this I think the way you put it is without even maybe recognizing it, recognizing how selfish we can just naturally be. 
And what if we stopped looking at the next generation and how broken they are because of decisions they make and realize that, you know what, they're probably a lot of the reasons the way that they are because of the way that we are or the way that we were. And I want to do everything I can to help that. Such a great word. I think that's the key. I had to take responsibility. And, you know, the the story that the Lord really illuminated to me was it's the story of David and Goliath. And so many times I've seen myself as the David. I'm going to go out. I'm going to slay Goliath. And I think I I saw myself for the first time as Saul. Mm. We showed up to the battle, but we didn't fight the giants either because we couldn't or we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so they are faced with giants that our generation did not slay. We showed up to the battle line. We showed up, but we didn't fight. And that's one of the things that we, I, you know, through that whole story, there's been so many. We allowed Goliath to dictate the terms of the battle. So when you show up for battle, we should have just fought. This ain't a conversation. I don't give you the right to dictate the battle terms. We're here to fight. So I'm going to fight the way God has instructed me to fight. But instead of fighting, we showed up, we postured, we pivoted, and the giant begins to intimidate. Now here's the challenge too, right? We got big ministries, big churches. Now it costs you. Mm -hmm. If we don't slay this giant, it's going to cost. So now instead of moving forward, we we didn't retreat, but we didn't advance. And now here's what I felt the Lord just said. We've got to be salt. Salt did some great things. He recognized that God had raised up a giant slayer. There's a record. And then he empowered that giant slayer to kill Goliath in his own ability, in his own, not his ability, but his gift, his talent. Mm-hmm. And then David recognized, of course, it's all God. And uh, we, we absolutely know that. But that's where I found myself in the story realizing, well, maybe I'm a Saul. Mm-hmm. And that 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 really will, will mess with you a little bit, you know. So <laughs> where have I not fought and defeated the giants I was supposed to fight and defeat? Yeah, yeah, that's good. And 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 to just you know, I know you shared this with me as well in some of our conversations, and when I was down in Houston with you, that you know you didn't have to, but part of you in this I know has um, intentionally stripped your name off of any of it, uh, even your church's name. And you've even went so far to remove your social media accounts in, in this season. So yeah. Why'd you, why'd you take those steps? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the big thing is for me, I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I just felt like, again, what I have found is I wonder if I'm, so here's what I feel the Lord spoke to me. Sometimes we fight the right giants, but we fight them out of order. Okay. So we lose because we're, it's not that we're not fighting the right giant, but it's not our season to fight that giant like everybody else. And so easily are we swayed by social media to fight what others are fighting, to do what others are doing. And so I just found myself just evaluating. I need to just connect with God. And for me personally, I think, I, I don't think I realized the idolatry that I struggled with. I mean, I, I, that's for me, that's it really here. Here's how I said it. And I'm going to just be very vulnerable and just like, Hey God, look at what God's doing, but I'm in the picture. Isn't that kind of what my social looks like? It's like, God, look at the thousands of people. And yet here it's, 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 it's me. And somewhere in, in all that, I think I'm not saying all of it is that this is my journey. And again, I wouldn't tell anybody just, but for me, it's like somewhere in all that, me being in the picture mattered. And I just felt like if I'd stopped telling God's story, maybe he could tell it a little bit better. (laughs) 
you know? And so yeah, yeah. we try to tell his story. Let's let him tell the story. Let's let him. And we still have social media for the church. So I, I, I'm not saying any of that. This is just a journey for me. And I, you know what I've found? It's been a couple of months now. I, it is just blissful ignorance. Like <laughs> I don't know. And it's intentional and it's been really refreshing. Do you know what has also happened, Zach? I have found so many deficiencies in myself that, that I, I, I didn't address because I was either sidetracked, busy, or I felt good enough about myself. And so I think just being able to only examine my life. And the question is, am I not further than anybody else? The question is, have I done everything God wanted me to do up until now? Mm. And so when I look at Instagram and, and I had a pretty good following on all of that, but it's what I constantly felt myself never measuring up or feeling unsatisfied with where I'm at. And I just learned my goal is to be perfect in my season. And it's funny. I, I was just reflecting this morning with God. I, I, you, our team was evaluating some things and I think we made some missteps on some stuff. And I'm like, God, I'm 46 years old. Like, shouldn't I have learned this already? And then, you know what? I felt like he brought back to my memory. Look, Moses was 80. So I'm like, look, I'm good. Like I got a little bit of time, you know, 40 years, he, he goes into the desert. I kind of feel yeah. like I'm in the desert and I'm like, well, God, just, if it takes me to 80, would you just please use me when I'm 80? Because I want to be used, but I don't need anybody to know who I am. And I just want to run the race that I'm called to run. And so for me, that's, it, it was hard. I, I'll tell you this. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it was really I, I don't think I because I've spent 20 years building that. I mean, what, 17 years since Facebook and all the and it has been just every day consistent, little here, little there. And to strip it away, you have to say, well, what if what if nobody ever knows my impact? What if nobody ever? And so for me, it was it was a big deal. It was hard. It was it was it was tough. And, you know, that's for my that's my journey. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Um you wrote a book not long ago called Unstuck and Unstoppable. And I think that not only pastors, but just about everybody that I've ever met at some season of their life has felt stuck. And I was reading, uh, I, I, I have one part that I thought was really, really one of the greatest illustrations of all time, maybe <laughs> in the Christian world. Let me read this. How do trainers domesticate an animal so big and powerful as an elephant? The process is simple but effective. When the elephant is still a baby, they tie a chain or a thick rope to its ankle, and they tie the other end of that rope to a tree. The baby elephant's natural inclination is to be free, but now it's got this rope around its ankle tied to this tree. When it tries to walk around, it just can't do what it was created to do. It cannot go anywhere because the elephant is small. It can't break the rope no matter how hard it tries. Eventually, one day, the elephant makes up its mind, and that breaking free is just impossible. An internal shift takes place. That little elephant gives up on fulfilling its own natural desire to roam and be free. Its will is broken. And then you go, I'm going to skip a couple of lines. That's why you can go to the circus and see this massive elephant held by a small rope tied to a little stake in the ground. And that elephant doesn't even try to break free even though he could, right? This massive, majestic, strong animal doesn't even know what it's capable of because yeah. it's held back by the chains of past trauma. Beautiful, yes. beautiful analogy when it comes to being stuck or unstuck. And so I guess 
Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners have felt stuck at times. Maybe somebody listening to this podcast yeah. right now is in a season where they feel stuck. Could um, It could be in their own discipleship. It could be in their career. It could be in their family. So the quite simple question to you, Jim, <laughs> I guess maybe it's not simple because none right. of us can figure it out. Uh, how does somebody go from being unstuck? How do you go from being stuck to becoming unstuck? You know, the, there's a great book that I wrote that'll help lead you through those processes. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's really, chapter seven and on. There's really so it's a couple of things. First off, you have to identify the fact that you are stuck, and we get stuck for all types of reasons. You know, we get stuck because we get isolated. That's the that's the challenge with COVID. We had this social distancing, which is a horrible term anyway. Right. I mean, the whole subconscious begins to create a world where we are supposed to social what they meant was physical distancing but i think that was a tactic from the enemy anyway yeah. um, because subconsciously it's planted in your mind that if you are socializing then you are causing more harm mm. and there's a whole psychological warfare that takes place in that but the isolation causes you to get stuck unforgiveness causes you to get stuck uh, you get stuck because you've had past trauma and so you subconsciously sabotage your life you could get stuck in comfort you can say, hey, where I'm at is better than where I used to be, even though it's not where I should be. And so we find ourselves just saying, hey, I'm pretty comfortable right here. So we get stuck. We stay pain. You know, sometimes it's like, man, I've done that before. And uh, now the pain of where I'm at is not quite as bad as what it's going to take the pain to experience the next level. And so there's just all these things where we get stuck. So you got to identify, am I stuck? I find a place, the best place for you to start, if you're trying to identify it is this, where in your life do you hear these words? I'll never, that's the place I would start. So like, I'll never be financially free. I'll never be debt free. My marriage will never, my family will never, my career will never. I'll never be able to physically be healthy. Those are the places where it's gone from just being stuck to now you're stranded. See, stuck means there's hope. Yeah. Stranded is without hope. Hmm. And so many people have been stuck so long, they become stranded in an area of your life. And you can live your life and not be stuck in many areas. But if you find a place in your life where you consistently go back and forth, it's like you circle the mountain. Maybe you go from one relationship to another. About every two years, you cycle through a, a dating relationship or just friends. Well, that's a place where you have subconsciously been sabotaged. You're, you're stuck. And so identify it. Then once you identified. I mean, the book really does lay it out, but there's four essential building blocks, basically. And what, what I have come to discover is if you'll address these and focus on building them and getting these fixed and, and locked in right, you can identify when you get stuck, but I don't want you to just get unstuck. I want you to become unstoppable. And right. you can usually do a self-evaluation. Number one is your identity in Christ. Most people do not know who they are in Christ. So what they do becomes their identity. Like I'm a lawyer. Okay, well, what happens when you stop practicing law? You lose yourself, yeah. you know? So that, that's what your identity in Christ. Second thing is your purpose. Now, purpose I identify is what's my assignment today. People get stuck because they lose sight of what is my assignment today. Like, what am I supposed to be doing today? Well, how do I get that? You get that from the vision. Mm. which is the third portion. Most people don't have a vision for their life. They've been stuck so long, they don't even know what unstuck looks like. So if you say, my marriage will never get better, usually if you ask that person, tell me why you married your wife, they'll tell you, I have no idea. That is a great question. 
big mistake. Well, it wasn't a big mistake when you got married, but you've been stuck so long, you're stranded. So you have to get a vision of what unstuck looks like. So I'm not trying to get you the, you know, the nice house, the white picket fence and the whole nine yards. I'm just trying to say, what would unstuck look like? Well, it's communicating. It's being respectful. It's Okay, cool. That's your vision. Now, how do you get that vision fulfilled? That's your purpose. What is my assignment today? The things I've got to do today that will get me to the vision of being unstuck. And then the fourth thing is subconscious paradigm. It's your paradigms. Uh, It's so fascinating that we have 12 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Uh, 80% are negative, 95% are repetitive. Um, And we subconsciously we live on autopilot up to 95 percent of the people surveyed in a uh, survey through uh, mark and spencer was they live on autopilot they they live life without thinking without thought without hey i'm intentional in this and so they just constantly go you know in this cycle that is existing what is coping what, what was that number that you said how many thoughts do we have per day 12 to sixty thousand. wow wow isn't that right, Zach? Yeah. 80% yeah. are negative? 80% are negative. 95% are re- repetitive. Satan is uh, working overtime, huh? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, the, it's, I have a yeah. chapter in the book that talks about the power of thoughts, the, the battlefield of the mind. And so it really is. It, it, but here's what's even challenging. And I thought the whole book was going to be about chapter 10 and chapter 11, which is paradigm. I've been in counseling for a decade. My mom is a counselor. And so she became a counselor, a licensed counselor when I was in my teens. So I began to work through the, you know, the feelings chart. Most people can only identify three to four feelings. Well, you have, I mean, 20, 30 feelings. So we live emotionally constipated. Everything funnels under happy, mad, or sad. (laughs) And you can't identify, you know, so, but that's how we live our lives. And what I found was when I wrote the book is that paradigm we talk a lot about conscious thought but nobody talks about a subconscious thought that there are traumas that happen in your life and that goes back to your story about the elephant here's how wicked the the devil is when you're a child because your subconscious paradigm is formed through environmental conditioning so that's like the, the what i grew up in the environment so so let me say it like this you vote the way you vote in a political um, election based typically on the house you were raised in. Like mm-hmm. what if you're a Democrat, you typically vote Democrat. Let me say this, whatever truck. So in Texas, trucks are a big deal. <laughs> so most people buy truck, not because one is necessarily better. Now they'll all fight and say they are. They're all about the same. Right. Right. Why do you buy it? Because your dad or somebody you love said this brand was better. Here's my example. I was 16 years old. I worked for a man named Joe Cato. He had a, uh, Ford truck and we're driving, we're cutting grass. I'll never forget. I saw this beautiful Chevy truck and I'm like, Joe, look at that brand new truck. That truck is amazing. Now I'm 16 years old. I don't know nothing about trucks. My dad don't drive a truck. I just, and Joe said, Tim, that truck sucks. And I'm like, no, that is a brand new truck, man. He said, I'm sorry, Zach, I'm a cussing on your podcast. No, that's funny. <laughs> I figured Chris, if Chris is laughing, I'm still good. Yeah, you're good, man. So I said, why? He said, look at the WT on the back of that truck. I said, well, what was that? He says, that's work truck. Any truck that has to identify itself as a work truck, that ain't no truck at all. (laughs) Fast forward, I'm 40 years old. I go to buy my first truck. You know what? I didn't look for any kind of a Chevy truck. I found myself (laughs) on a Ford truck lot. 
I didn't even realize it until I began to write the book and started to think about instances where I did things without thought or reason. I didn't go research and say, wow, Ford's better. I just heard Ford was better. That's environmental conditioning. Yeah, That's your subconscious pattern of thought. The second way we learn is through uh, heightened emotional experiences. When you have a heightened emotional experience, thoughts from either yourself, the enemy, or God are planted in your mind. Whatever thought you believe in that heightened emotional state will become the seed that is sown into your subconscious paradigm. Let me give you an example. I played baseball. I was 12 years old. My dad owned restaurants and worked in restaurants. This game, he said, son, I'll be at the game. I'm like, cool, dad. Awesome. I batted fourth. I, so I was clean up. I was the clean first up. baseman and clean up. And I hit a home run. And I'm looking out in the stands and my dad's not there, but my mom's there. My dad said he'd be there. So I didn't even look. I'm like, surely he's going to be there. So I'm running the bases. And as a, as a, as a teenager, here's the two thoughts that were playing in my mind. Number one, you're really good at sports, which, you know, I've always <laughs> believed I'm really good at sports. The second thing is you're not worth showing up for. Oh, Man. That the one who loves you the most can't even show up. Who else is going to show up for you? And if they show up, here's the other thing. They're eventually going to leave. Wow. That's painful. Oof. So, Oof. so when did it happen in a, in a, so both thoughts are planted. That's how wicked the devil is. So think about those of you that are listening right now where you've had a heightened emotional. Well, as an adult, what do you say? Devil get behind me. I know my dad, he's trying to provide was well, a young teenager. You don't, you can't fight. That's the elephant. That's the little elephant mm -hmm. who has now been attached to a chain because the enemy has planted a thought. Nobody told me to fight that thought. Yeah. Nobody told me the enemy was coming to try to hinder my destiny or my future. Nobody told me the devil was trying to sabotage my marriage. Nobody told me the devil was trying to sabotage my relationship with people. So as a young elephant, and a man, here I am, I grow up with this chain of, and it almost ruined my marriage. The first year of marriage was great. Second year was living hell. We almost divorced. And it was because I tried to push her out before she was going to leave me anyway. And I had to come to grips that, wow, there were some things that were planted deep inside of my subconscious that without thought, I didn't even know. And so how many of us have those areas of our life that now you're called into full-time ministry and you wonder why you keep sabotaging your ministry. You wonder why your relationships aren't working out, but we got to go back to the first time you felt whatever emotion is causing you to sabotage that area of your life. So anyway, that's in chapter 10 and 11. And I thought that's what the whole book was going to be about, but anyway. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, and I think with, with a lot of that too, we can get back to the, the Gen Z thing is that if, you're aware of this maybe now after you've written the book and processed some things and, and the sort of, you know, things we're putting on that generation and how identity has been, been crushed and mentally they're having all these negative automatic and comparative thoughts, like how much more important is what we're doing. And I think what you've shown me in this moment is as much as we can do, and I'm all for best practices and learning those and how we can, but just the power of prayer mm -hmm. yes. and remembering that this is a spiritual battle and that yes. prayer works. Uh, it really does work. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective, like as you've been praying for Gen Z and praying with Gen Z, you've got a lot of Gen Zers that have been connecting. And so I'd love to hear what you're learning about Gen Z uh, just as kind of, you know, a cheerleader along the side that's rooting them on. I can tell you the thing, and you, you've seen it with me. Number one, they're grateful. I can't tell you 
how many have come on and said, like even the call, mm. thank you for praying for us. We don't, we feel like somebody cares. We feel like, and, and I know it's not just us, but I think number one, they're grateful. I think number two, they are ready. They're looking for a mission. They're looking for something to give their life to. They're ready yeah. to have someone say, hey, we want to empower you and, and to really go alongside of them. I, I would coin the word this and you and I got connected and I just want to acknowledge you, Zach, you, you are probably one of the most brilliant masterminds of discipleship that I've ever met. And I just want to give honor to you because that's how our paths crossed. Because for me, I recognize, look, we pray from all day long, but we got to disciple these guys. And that is, I'm not an expert in discipleship. I'm a pastor, but I feel like this generation, we've got to have this strategy because they're willing to do what we lead them to do. But many times we have seen God save them and then left them to themselves. And so they want a path, like they want to grow. They want to be challenged. Here's the other deal. They want to be, they want to raise up. They want to be challenged to grow up, to be the best. And they're, they're not afraid of it. Like they, they hunger for, they're, they're willing to live minimal lives if it's a life of purpose. Mm. And that's where the discipleship plays a part because you could point them in a direction, but that's what I love about you and I got connected just through the yeah. book, the whole red letter challenge. It's like the words of Jesus. If we want to learn how to follow Jesus, hello, can we just do what Jesus said? And that's, you wrote, you know, even the Gen Z portion of the app that we built and it's fascinating. They're going through it. And here's the other deal. They're willing to lead. Mm. Like I have seen such a boldness that you, you and I, we, we worked on the app, but every one of them are featured as a communicator in the app. So in other words, they're willing to fail forward. They're willing, uh, Alexandra and Chad, here's a great example on the call. You've seen them on the call. They're a brother and sister. They go to one of these, the, the local high school. And this week, they are praying at the flagpole at 7.30 every day. So nobody put together a plan for them. Nobody told them what to do. They literally emailed us and said, uh, Alexis, we are so excited about this. We're going to pray on our campus. We've asked our principal to give us permission. He's given us permission. We want to pray publicly outside so people, when they're driving by, can see there's people wow. praying for this school. And what am I saying? They're willing to even look foolish. They're willing to say, hey, it doesn't matter what people think. Why? Just because they, that once they've tasted how real God is and how that he can really change and transform their lives, they're willing to give everything for it. And it's exciting. Now we just have to steward it well. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And I think that's, the ball. That's what yeah. That's what we're hearing a lot with these episodes that have been specifically about Gen Z is just they're, they're so passionate. They're going to do it with or without right. us. So we might as well come alongside <laughs> because we probably do have some good things like strategy and a system and some things they can learn uh, alongside of us so that so that hopefully it's not always failing even though there will be some failure but we'll see great success and of course you will because god's with us and so, so i, I want to commend you jim too and thank you because legitimately as i was mentioned a little earlier I, I left that message in october of 2022 feeling like in my gut and in my spirit God was calling me to do something to help more with Generation Z and to be open to opportunities that would come and to be generous with my time if opportunities would come. And I had no idea what that meant. And so randomly. And then <laughs> randomly you get a phone call from me. <laughs> when I get a text from a guy I haven't met, but yeah. 
one connected the two of us because our thought that we would make sense and you've got this movement pray for gen z it's like how cool and so i just want to pause and say god is good (laughs) as he gives us these uh, these feelings these guts he speaks to us we listen but also he works through ordinary people and had you not and your church set up this movement um then i wouldn't have been able to fulfill i feel like what god put on my heart and i think we need one another in this process and prayer especially with this is like this is something we can do for everybody and we help each other become greater disciples when we just listen to what god has for us and it's pretty cool so hey man we ask all of our guests this question to kind of on the way out to it's a podcast to challenge people to be a greater disciple of jesus no matter where they are and so if you could practically challenge our listeners to do one thing this week to be a greater disciple of jesus what would it be oh well that's that's simple we're just going to tag on the whole topic i'm going to i'm going to challenge you to pray and here's what i'm going to challenge you to do because this is what not only am i doing not only is our church doing, but everybody that was impacted uh, by the the Pray for Gen Z movement over the last 86 days, is I'm going to challenge you to go download the 21 Days of Prayer, the Red Letter Edition um, from the Bible app. And you can look, I'm on day 17. We're on day, you see, they're all checked. Look, and that was unplanned. But uh, we've gone through it, man. And I'm just telling you this, having our church even go through this, you didn't ask me to do it. But I said, man, we're doing 21 days of prayer. Like we're connected. Like, why would I not? And I just want you to know every day has been really sweet. The challenges, the inspiration, the connection to God's word, to Jesus's words. And uh, 17 days in, I'm a better follower of Jesus today. Cool. And so I'm on that path and I want to encourage you to follow me. Do the do the 21 day prayer challenge. You download it on the Bible app and it's made an impact in our students. It's made an impact in my life and in our church. And then of course, pray for Gen Z. Love yeah. it. Love it. How do you do that? And so, all right, listeners, if you take that challenge, if you pray, commit to pray, uh, we'll put the link for the 21 Days of Prayer Challenge in the yeah. show notes as well. Uh, let us know, hashtag Red Letter Disciple. We're going to be praying for you um, if you do that. We got to know, though, so we can pray for you by name. So you got to hashtag Red Letter Disciple. I do ask a lot of guests, like, where they can connect with you online, but you stripped all of your stuff away, Jim. So yeah, pray for Gen Z. Yeah, com, or you can go to anchorben.com, either one. They We still have stuff on it it's just yeah yeah social yeah yeah i love it well we, with all of our guests chris prepares a, a unique uh segment at the end designed specifically for you um and so i'm going to turn it over to chris what jim, you got for jim? jim kyles <laughs> be ready you've done ready. it all. you've done it all you really have your your humility shine through today uh, your love for the, the forgetfulness. <laughs> well, you know, listen, uh, you're no spring chicken, kid. Uh, so here we go. Um, you were once in the restaurant game. Yes. You were once in the real estate game. And then God calls. You pick up the phone, Jim, and yes. you answer that call. You write a fabulous book about elephants. And <laughs> here's the thing. I develop a game. For every person, this one is, I'm going to give you some names, and it's quite simple. All you have to say, is it a church, is it a restaurant, or is it both? Okay? Got so it. Say Got red it. Lobster, 
lobster, obviously you would say restaurant, right? Restaurant. I don't think there's a church called Red Lobster. All right, so here we go. Number one, the Harry Monk. Is that a church? Is that a restaurant or is that both? Harry Monk. Oh, it's got to be a restaurant, right? Yeah, right. That's right. Good. Come on. Come on. Yes. I'm like, if there's a church called the Harry Monk, I'm I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, like Catholic. Uh, anyway, so here we go. Um, the Liberating Spirit. Is that a church, a restaurant, or both? The Liberating Spirit. It's got to be a church, right? You're right. You're right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're on fire. Wow. Okay. You're the encounter. The encounter. Is that a church, restaurant, or both? Oh, that's see if I was going and building a pattern, it'd be one one and it'd be both. But I know it's encounters. Got to be a church. Let's just say church. No, I'm sorry, it is both. both. See, I would see Zach. I knew the pattern, and I thought that's too simple. See, I'm I not smart enough to develop any kind of patterns with this. Um, all right, <laughs> should have just stuck with well, it. You did develop a pattern, and you didn't even you know did. it. One, one, and one. Yeah, but see, that's what I see is patterns. <laughs> see, I don't know how the brain works. I only have a couple more here. Running water, running water. Is that a restaurant, a church, or both? Uh, it's a restaurant. I'm sorry. It is a church. A there church. Is no Running water. Yes. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay. I, I know. I know. I was kind of, I, that one shocked wow. me. Running Vita. water. Now we, we turn to the, um, you're from Texas. You've got some great Hispanic uh, restaurants down yep. there. Some great Hispanic ministries down there in Houston. Yeah. What about this? Vida Explosiva. Vida oh. Explosiva. Is it what? a church, mm. a restaurant, or both? I'm going to stay church. Yeah, that's right. Who wants to go to a place, a restaurant? <laughs> with that's what I was trying to think. I don't know if I want anything exploding. No, no. Before okay. or after. <laughs> and this is the final one. You're, you're killing me. You're just, you're, you're running through this thing rampant. So this is the toughest one. Netcast. Netcast. Is it a church, a restaurant, or both? Netcast. Well, Fisher's in. Netcast. got to be both. Let's do both. I thought I would get him, but I didn't. He's too good. Yeah. Jim Kyle, yeah. Uh, Jim, you get uh, Zach's Traeger. We're gonna pack it up and send it down to you. Congratulations! Yes, ship but, it. Uh, the pellets are not included, so you have to buy your own. You keep pellets. trying to give that away. I thought he won a Chevy truck, but he doesn't. Sound oh, like that's, he right. Yeah. that's right. That's right. Chevy friends over at uh, Chevrolet. <laughs> Chevrolet. Oh man, beginning oh. a work truck. <laughs> You'll be wow. a work truck. Yeah, I'll be getting a work truck. Well, I appreciate you guys, man. It's been so good. So grateful yeah. for you both. Jim, thank you, man, for your time and uh, just for your heart and for doing this, uh, setting up this movement that's gotten a lot wow. of people, not just you, fired up. Yeah. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, and truly, uh, you mentioned, yeah, Texas and diverse. It, that your church is probably the most diverse church I've ever I've ever been in. I've ever oh, preached at, that. and it it's just a really cool it's a really cool experience. Yeah, he let, he let there, you preach. So. Hey, and I'll tell you what, anybody, if you're looking to have someone come and communicate, Zach is amazing. And uh, you just, you, what you're doing, and I know you don't have me affirming all of it, but I just, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for the discipleship path. So love that we get to partner together, my friend. We'll do more. All right, Jim. God bless you, brother. Take care. Go get unstuck and unstoppable (laughs) wherever they sell books. Well, again, just super honored to have Jim on and love his emphasis on prayer and how prayer can truly reach and change the next generation. And I hope you saw the just the passion and the authenticity in Jim's story and what God's doing, even in him 
in this prayer movement. So, hey, you can check out more about Jim and the prayer movement. The show notes, get all the highlights from today's episodes and grab the free 21 Days of Prayer Challenge, at least the link for it at redletterpodcast.com. That's one convenient place for all the links and highlights from today's episode. Season five is going to keep rolling for weeks, but next week we are concluding our four-week mini-series with Vanessa Lane. Vanessa co-founded Better Play Studios, an organization that seeks to create video games that have a positive impact on mental health. Wait, what? Video games? Mental health? Positive? Hold on. That doesn't sound right, right? This conversation was really eye-opening for me, and I I began to see the gaming industry in a new light and realized the opportunity and potential that exists in this industry for us as individuals and collectively as churches to help make greater disciples. So you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure like you don't miss it. And what can you do now to make sure you don't miss it? You can subscribe or follow on any of the platforms that you listen or watch Red Letter Disciple. That way, when it comes out next Tuesday, it will automatically drop into your feed. I don't know how it all happens, but it happens. And so, hey, we'll see you back next week on the Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.